Welcome back to the second season of Notes from the Road. We have a lot of really fantastic guests coming up in 2020. I'm so happy to be back in action for this new season. But first, one quick thing. When you're done with this episode, please go rate and subscribe. It helps us to get a gauge on how we're doing and means that you'll get the most up-to-date episodes every time they're available. It really would mean the world to me if you would take a sec to rate and subscribe when you're done listening. We're kicking 2020 off with a very inspiring story of a person who's seen a multitude of sides in the touring, recording, and music industry. My dear pal, Ralph Torrefranco. Ralph currently works on the music licensing and sync side of things, discovering new artists and helping to bring their music to a commercial world or tying artists together for fun collaborations. He's a musician himself, has toured both on that side as well as a member of the crew, and shares with us his incredible story from the time he was a teenager in Southern California through now. His thoughts are insightful. He's such a happy-go-lucky, amazing human. And he's brought together a lot of other really fantastic musicians and groups of people over the course of his career so far. And I think he's got a lot of years ahead of him. Without further ado, this is Notes from the Road with Ralph Torrefranca. say ralph welcome to notes from the road oh thank you for having me i'm super stoked to have you you wrote me pretty recently to say hey i'm gonna be in nashville right let's really sit down and Mm -hmm. i've it's been really rad in the last couple of weeks to just kind of pin some people down most of them fortunately these days are nashville folks yeah like so many musicians have wandered here um are you do i have this right native Mm -hmm. Uh, Angelino, are you? Well, or is your family? You're from California, though. I'm from California, yeah. Right. So Santa Barbara originally, but I've actually lived in uh, Los Angeles like for ten and a half years. So I guess I'm technically a Los Angelino. I mean, Santa Barbara close enough in terms of like, yeah. you grew up in Southern California. Yeah. Take me to you know we've talked over the years and worked mm. together on various non-music related things at times. A lot of different stuff. Yeah, um, but what? Take me through, like, how did you get to touring? Because I know you've played in bands, and now right. you're sort of, we'll, we'll cover why you're here in Nashville mm-hmm. right now, which is you're working with songwriters mm-hmm. and doing publishing and stuff. Right. So a, a kind of different uh, trajectory into, like, music now. Yeah. But, like, what was your sort of intro to touring and getting out on the road and yeah. the the fantasy of it that we all have? I mean, the fantasy was real. I basically... In high school, I had a, a, I went to the counselor for a, something called a job day or a job shadow day, mm-hmm. and they had a whole book basically of all these different jobs, and I just didn't want to honestly shadow anyone else in that you know in that list. And right. then uh, she she told me that a concert was happening that night, and mind you, I'm about 15 years old, turning about to turn 16, it's 2005, and. Uh, He's like, do you want to go shadow the program director? I was like, okay, I'll go. I've never been in a show. It's my first show. So I show up, and then this guy named Ryan, who's a coordinator over there, he goes, you're going to run hospitality? You're going to help the bands park their vans and RVs? I was like, okay, who's playing? He's like, all right. And he like flips through his book. He's like, all right, so uh, hello, goodbye, acceptance. The Academy is Panic at the Disco. And this is like a month after Panic at the Disco. Oh, the hit list of 2005? Yeah, is that what you The yeah. hit list of the alternative emo yeah. world of 2005? Exactly. And, cool. And 15-year-old Ralph was freaking out. Dude, but what a trial by fire scenario, I've huh? never run hospitality. I've never, I've never met these people before. So obviously, I'm just like freaking out because I'm looking up to these bands that I like absolutely love. Right. Um, but yeah, and then I helped him out. The night went well, and then he let me watch the show from the front, and I saw my first concert, and I was freaking out. And that was through a high school guidance counselor? Yeah. You had the coolest high school guidance counselor then. There's no way that a majority of people that yeah. have ended up doing what we do, that was their route path to it. There's oh, yeah. no way. Dude, I, I've lucked out so many times as a kid, and basically... I finished the concert and I'm sitting on the steps at UCSB is the hub and I'm sitting there and waiting for my mom to pick me up. And I was like, I'm going to make this my job. I don't know how I want to go on tour. I want to get a job in the music industry. I don't know where to start, but tomorrow I'm going to do it. So the next day I quit my job at Carl's Jr. 
because I was working Carl's Jr. as a drive-through operator. Pretty good at my job, actually. Uh, and then I, I quit. And then the next day after that, I walked into this radio station called um, KJE, which is like the biggest rock station of all the tri-counties in Santa Barbara and Ventura. Okay. And I walked in and basically I was like, how do I apply for an internship? Like, you have to be 18. <laughs> I was like, I'm six, I just turned 16 right. at that point. Uh, but then this really awesome guy named Ryan Zoldos, who was a coordinator, took, you know, decided to let me sit down with him and then he convinced, uh, he let me, um, intern there. So I started interning there and then, uh, and then a couple months later they ended up hiring me and I'm 16, hiring me as a DJ and as a receptionist at the same time. I was like, okay, this is going to be my first job. Dude, that's the coolest teenage job ever. Yeah. So I was, that's, that's like college age normally set aside for people that are like 20 yeah i had interns that were helping me at the station who were like four years older than me uh so it was like a very cool experience but then at the same time i basically was like i'm a, i'm a start a band so mm-hmm. i'm in a band and then i went to this all ages venue that doesn't exist anymore but they were like it's called jensen's main stage uh a guy named dave heck Hackenhouse ran it and it was like one of the only all ages venues in town and I convinced him to let me start booking some shows there and basically I became a promoter so I started booking shows and I booked all these LA bands to come down to play with um, my band and my friends bands and then touring bands too I would put bills together because you know that was kind of like ultimately one of the things I wanted to do was tour right um, well and now that, that's the era I feel like I was actually I was already in college in that era but like mm-hmm the internet catching on yeah like, MySpace was a big thing n- not the same as it we're on a mm-hmm. i keep saying it like every episode so sorry everybody that's listening but like we're on a totally different plan i don't even know what kids are doing anymore. yeah but like i feel like the the middle 2000s yep just there was such a wealth of a knowledge base or just a connection base all yep. of a sudden exactly. like in that like coming out of the millennium mm-hmm all of a sudden we were all just somehow con- like somebody knew somebody that knew another person that was connected to right. you in right. Santa Barbara and Hey dude, we're coming up Southern California. Do you, can you put us on a show? Yeah. So, and that's how it all started. And, um, I built relationships with a lot of bands in LA who eventually, you know, worked for down the line and we can talk about it later, but basically, uh, I, it was one of those things where I was like, I'm going to go on tour how do I go on tour? I want to eventually do it during the summer because obviously I'll be busy during the year. Right. And most people's parents are not letting them until summer. No, no, no. I, my, my mom said, you know, like I, I told, I remember telling my mom, um, I was like, I want to work in the music business and, and God bless her. Like she's, she's amazing. She goes, okay, follow your dreams, do what makes you happy, but just have a backup. I was like, deal. I'm going to get a lot of good grades. And I'm going to get a degree and I'm going to make sure I, I could also work at the same time. Sure. I mean, fair. That's a f- any, yeah. any, I think that's the most fair offering from a parent. Yeah. I mean, she could have just easily said, no, go right. be a doctor or a lawyer or, right, right, or an right, engineer right. or whatever. So, um, so I graduate high school and I moved directly to LA. Uh, I end up at the agency group at 18. I'm an intern, right? Which is like the most cutthroat part of the industry the sure. agency side yeah. is very cutthroat yeah um seven six seven months of that kind of made me like get a good lay of the land and then actually figure out like the touring stuff mm-hmm. you know like what agents work for who so that was the first time i met dave shapiro and uh and i met a lot of other people that were eventually i would be able to kind of like call a friend and and you know work for possibly so sure but that's another what a great starting point to learn even yeah. terminology yeah and 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 like how a tour gets started routed mm-hmm. you figure out where it's going guarantees yeah how much money bands are even you know how much money promoters are willing to pay bands so that's a that was a great starting point for yeah. you know post high school life mm-hmm yeah, it ended up being like probably one of the best, you know, sparks of my career because after that I decided I'm going to go work in a live venue because I want to learn how to do sound and lights. Cool. That was the next step. I was like, I, I'm, I'm moving on from the agency side. Uh, there's a place called the Knitting Factory in Hollywood mm-hmm. that you, you remember is just a three-room venue and it was dope because yeah. there was three shows happening at the same time and it was really fun and all my favorite bands were playing and it would be like, I don't know, like... Uh, some hardcore band is playing the middle room, but then, 
you know, some pop punk bands playing in the main room and I'm able to just jump in between. And sometimes, you know, I'll be working lights for one room and then I'll come and work sound the next night. Yeah. The, those knitting factory venues, cause there's one infamously in also New York city that yeah. just conceptually, like you could walk in front of that place and be like, Oh, there's three, like three things, three yeah. different crowds or maybe three similar crowds. But it was just like how they always make those, yeah. those multi-tiered venues work has been amazing to me to know, like, you're about science. to put, yeah. You're about to put all these different types of people in one place. In one place, separated, but mm-hmm. like, you never know. I feel like you just never know what's going to happen in those scenarios. So no. it's amazing. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So essentially, from there, that was fun. that was where I was like, I'm gonna tour. Like, I want to start touring. I don't know anyone. <laughs> like, there's no. I don't have a CV. Even if I pulled any strings of people I met the agency group, they're not going to let me go on tour. Like, I, I need some sort of CV. So. Um, I hit up this band called, uh, goodbye, Sh- goodbye, Elliot. They're called goodbye, Elliot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they're this band originally from Hawaii that moved to LA and playing kind of like, um, pop rock kind of music. And, you know, I was really into that. So I hit them up. I think, I think it was MySpace. I, I can't a hundred percent remember it because now it's been that long mm-hmm. ago. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I was like, can I come on tour with you guys? I know you guys go on tour in California all the time. You go to middle California and stuff. So, um, so I, they let me come on tour and run some merch and just be like an extra hand. And we would tour through the middle of California, which is notoriously like more of like the Bible belt of California. So we'd play all these random places. Um, and after, after a couple of little runs with them, I was like, okay, I'm going to see if I could find my break. And sure. that, that was going to be the big thing. Yeah. Um, and then I ended up... Break being like getting on the road with a national yeah. touring yeah. artist. Yeah, getting on, getting on some sort of tour that was substantially not a DIY tour, but mm-hmm. like that was booked through an agent that, sure. you know, I could possibly have better accommodations in a sense of just, you right. know... Day-to-day life. Day-to-day yeah. life, um, which actually the gap was pretty big anyway, so it didn't really matter. Um, so... So I hit up this band that I'm not going to name because they eventually because the 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 relationship basically like slightly deteriorated because I they hired me it was Warped Tour 2009 so okay yeah 2009 and uh, I was on I got on the first date and they were trying to pay for basically the overhead of an insane overhead to pay for their bunks on these different buses Mm -hmm. and the only merch they had was five dollar CDs. So I had to sling $5 CDs to try to like help them, you know. That's uh, the classic warp Tour move right it, there. It is. The, it is. The CD sling. And they were, and you know, it's, I'm not saying it was a bad idea, but obviously it was a bad idea. Like that's the, and it was a learning experience for themselves and I, and a learning experience for me. But essentially what happened was like, I, you know, I, I did the first two dates and then they fired me. I was like, what am I going to do? Like, mm-hmm. and I, it's Ventura. So I'm basically in home, still home. Right. Um, I, cause I did Pomona then Ventura. Um, so I was really down in the dumps and I, and I, I was sitting, I was sitting at the showgrounds and I was like, no, this is not good. I'm, I'm going to tour this, this summer. Like I need to find a tour. This is going to happen. So I was um, I was staying on the Chiodos uh, crew bus. That was where my bunk was that they were buying out. Right. And I got out of the bus and I started walking around and hitting, knocking doors of like tour buses. And I was trying to meet people because I desperately wanted a job. And um, and one fateful bus I hit was the Megan Dia bus. Okay. It hit the bus and opens up. I think it is Mike Kaminsky. I think it opens up. All right. And... I'm trying to remember if this is exactly how it happened. Either that or, or I ran into him at uh, the breakfast. But I, I'm pretty sure I knocked on the door. And he he basically, you know, I was like, I'm looking for a job. He's like, we'll keep you in mind. Like, you know, but let's keep in touch and stuff. And, and I was like, okay, cool. That was the first time I met Mike. And mm-hmm. we've still stayed friends this whole time. And he's always been very supportive. But, um, and, but so I spent the whole afternoon just knocking on doors and well, trying to talk. just to set that scene mm-hmm. for everybody that's listening the the kind of greatest thing about that tour is there are so many people out there and as you'd establish yourself on the warp tour mm-hmm. and if if you there were plenty of friends and people that i knew that Sometimes you just get let go of a gig for a lot of reasons. Plenty of reasons. There, there, especially on the Warp Tour, there were always people where you were like, how did that person get fired today or get yeah. let go or whatever? Oh, yeah. 
and and the you know the the people that really had established a relationship with the tour even like the folks that run the tour they'd go give us a day you know like will somebody out here needs a hand they're not admitting that Mm -hmm. at this second but by the end of the day we know your work ethic we know we're we're also confused on why you got fired today you know and so that you were you were at the mercy of there were 600 people that you could try and talk to in a day exactly to stay Mm-hmm. on that tour so what was the end resolve oh there? it was the best uh basically i i couldn't find anything like the nothing turned out i met some good people but that there wasn't really a job that was available plus i was two days into the warp tour i didn't get i i didn't have any relationships or anything i was sure. a, i was a shaggy hairy kid that just wanted a job right um so i went back to the bus the chiros crew bus and i was sitting in the lounge and uh their current merchandise manager t-money walked over to me and sat down and he was like ralph what's the long phase for and i was like i lost my job and i don't want to go home and i'm really bummed out and i don't know what to do he's like you're available all summer i was like yeah it's like okay let me make a call and i remember him walking away and i think he called either cabbie or Derek or someone and he makes a call and comes back he's like all right could you be in tallahassee in two days i was like yeah why he's like um, the band I normally tour with needs a merch merchandise manager, and um, they they want you to come out. I was like, which band? It's like Mayday Parade. I was like, shut up. <laughs> which is like, you know, at the time, like one of my favorite bands. So I was like, this is a freaking dream. I don't know how, but the, the universe just like made this happen. Shout me. out Tyler Howell. What's yeah, up, dude? Yeah, Tyler. You, you got to come on at some point because you got he has so many stories. He's got so many stories. Huge vinyl collector. Yeah. I'd love to talk to him about that, too. T, T, if you're listening. Come out, man. Yeah, when you're not so busy. <laughs> uh, so, okay, so now you, you go home. I go home. And then you get on a plane as soon as you can. Yeah. Were mom and dad maybe helping get you to Florida at that point? Still uh, at 18, 19? So, essentially, I convinced them to buy me a ticket out. Right, yeah. Yeah. Which any... Yeah. I would have done that too. If I was like, I got to be in Tallahassee yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. I'm going out. Yeah. This is, this is going to be happening and my mom wouldn't be able to stop me just because <laughs> she, she saw like the way, how ambitious I was. Well, and I, I think of myself in the, that timeline of my life of like late teens into twenties where like you could, you're going to spin that story. However, whatever it takes to like them to just say yes and send you on your way, like you're going to keep spinning this story. Oh, it's going to happen. Like, for sure. I just, the... Not to not to harp on this, but I remember my parents drove me to my first day of tour with Four Year. Where they were just wow. they just happened to be playing like nearby, where you know New Jersey, Pennsylvania, yeah. somewhere in that zone. And I just you know you're in that same age range mm-hmm. where you're just like okay leave, and they're like we're not going to leave until we see these kids <laughs> yeah, exactly. that you're about to just get in a van with. Yeah. And I just kept being like, I'm fine. Like, leave me alone. And now I'm just like grateful that my parents were looking out for my yeah. well-being. Like at 20, yeah, you're just like still like, mom, dad, stop. And now I'm just like, nope, they were, they were right. as like an older human at this one. I'm like, nope, I would have stayed. I would have even just like sat in a corner and waited to see what the interaction was. But oh, yeah. So, you know, but I was like spinning hard to just be like, it's great. They're going to be fine. They're cool dudes. And like, I think I got lucky that they were. They could have been assholes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, they just could have been scary you yeah. know like who knows and i think that's what my parents were waiting to see and right. you know my dad loves those guys now like Aww. after a while they were they were like drinking buddies he was like drinking buddies with that's joe so in the band um on your way to tallahassee yeah so on my way to tallahassee uh so i fly in i've at that point i've i've never really been outside of the states apart from going on trips outside of the country mm-hmm. so the u.s was completely new to me I, I was like, okay, well, I signed up for this. I don't know where I'm going, but Tallahassee, Florida. I, I know it's in Florida. Right. So we fly in, and then I take a, I take a cab out, and we're driving to Cabby's house, and it's like in the boonies. It's like, I'm like this is backcountry. This is crazy. Pull up. There's like a big, uh, uh, what's it called? It's a... Would you would have in your front yard? Would you bounce on it? Trampoline. Uh, trampoline. Yeah. Yeah. Why am I spacing? Yeah. Okay. So there's a trampoline in the in the front yard, and his front yard is like it looks like acres. So it's like massive. And then there's his house. So I walk in, and there's the guys in the practice room, and everyone just welcomes me with open arms. And I was like, okay, I guess this is this is gonna. I mean, those dudes are awesome. Those yeah. Were, they were some of the first people I ever met on the road too. Just a That's great awesome. group. I mean, and they, for the most part, all had known each other a long time. A long time. And so that 2009, 
2009. Yeah. So are they... Jason's already left the band. Right. Well, yeah. That he, yeah. I think by the time I met them, he had. But the vehicle for this tour? Oh, it was a van. Nice. Oh, it was my first van tour. Yes. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was an experience because basically I got to know everyone really well, like very quick. Yeah. You're in a very confined space confined. for hours and hours on end. Yeah. But and then I had time to like get to meet everyone and talk to everyone and get to know each other. So it was great. And um during that tour that tour was kind of crazy because it was um it was evan tobenfeld who co-wrote all the uh, avril lavigne songs who's now the sure. head of a and right, right, crush right. which is crazy and also makes sense because he's a really great writer um and then it was mitchell musso yep 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 uh made a parade in metro station okay and metro station and mitchell musso they're they're brothers are any in those bands right 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 mitchell being the Hannah montana disney actor. star yeah and then yeah. his brother being the mason. lead singer mason yeah yeah. i was a crush around that time i know oh, well right. after it was before that was before but like that was like a crazy i feel like that metro station thing was like one of those like crazy on the rise out of the blue it was massive the, that style of music hit in a very odd space in yeah in alternative whatever that would dance i don't even know i struck a chord with all the kids for yeah. Sure. yeah yeah all the kids with swoopy straight iron flat ironed hair yeah for sure <laughs> swoopy flat iron hair. that's what it, it was it was uh yeah. okay so they're direct supporting their direct support and i was selling the merch but mind you i've never sold merch before sure <laughs> so i i don't know how there's a point where i like i don't know how i got this job but this is I, i'm gonna try my best and and tyler at t-money was the most helpful person in the world he is i'm sure he was giving you the best advice he could on just what yeah. he probably told you exactly what you should do he and just told were, me exactly if he, you were listening yeah he he's the he is the most pro person in our greater circle of he created a, an excel sheet that was already you know pr- like had all the equations in it mm-hmm. so i got i it was essentially everything was laid out for me so i just had to well and also you're a pretty smart dude so <laughs> i think if you can understand the basics of it and then it's like right. putting your spin i've always said to people like with merch and it's mm-hmm. like shout out to all you merchies out there I'm, i miss you sometimes because i miss that gig because you're kind of solo out there on your own yeah um but like if you can if you can speak to people mm-hmm. and you can count and That's, you can watch money you can do the job i yeah. mean there are people that go be above and beyond and Tyler being one of those. Absolutely. Um, but in a general sense, like if you're pretty with it, it's a mm-hmm. gig that you can do and, and enjoy. Yeah. Um, you know, unless you're moving $80 a head or something, but I, and I bet you were selling a bunch of merch at that point. And we sold a lot. Yeah. It was, it was a big influx for me to mm-hmm. kind of learn, but it was, it was good. It was, a, it was like a good experience because, you know, I sweated it out in the freaking trailer counting, merch ad to figure out where boxes were being you know more money more merch was being sent to these venues i'd even know that you could send stuff to venues right. like i was just learning so much and then so by by the middle to the end of the tour i was like okay i like this i'm gonna try to do this every year like i think this is gonna be like the, the, my my goal is to either do weekend warrior runs with some local bands and then do a national run on, on the summers so you got your taste of it i got my summer taste. of 2009 so that was a decade ago huh uh, yeah <laughs> that's, i mean that's it's getting harder and harder for me to believe that too ralph that it's been more than that uh, for me but um so but did you finish that summer and then go to school like was that still part of your so you you got this taste intro to it and then yeah you were off to college yeah and then I went back to college but during college time during that time I was also uh I was working during that time I ended up working at Jimmy Kimmel I got a production job at Jimmy Kimmel cool as a audience PA so I was like okay I'll get some stuff to pay the bills I'll be in college um what else can I do do and then um around that same time i ended up getting an internship at uh at red light management okay that was kind of like the the big thing for I mean, me. they're still one of the biggest yeah i mean they're still the largest independent company in the world um, management company in the world um but i came in and during that time it was like okay i'm in this office they have massive clients this is the house that dave matthews built i was gonna say at dmb That's, yeah. yeah and corn capsha and you know like it, it it was it was a very legendary spot that i i got to know um so i started interning there and luckily i ended up starting work for uh this awesome 
um, friend of mine now is her name is Vanessa Tob, and she works uh, at the at that point I think day to day, but she's like basically second second hand to um, Phil Costello, who manages local natives. And uh, you know the, the Grail Manor just came out, and at that point uh, she was like, "I need help. Have you done merch before?" I was like. Yes, I have. <laughs> it was like a good stars were aligning for you. Huh? Yeah, it was beautiful. It was like, I'm. Uh, yes, I have. It's like okay, they're doing back to back nights. Um, one at the Fonda, or Fonda, I think it's two nights at Fonda or something. But they're like, I, want, I need you to run merch. It's like okay, I'll come out. I'll come out and do it. So I ran the merch and started building a relationship with with Phil and Vanessa and the rest of the band. Mm-hmm. And um, it was kind of one of those things where uh, throughout the years, whenever Phil needed help from um the the guys so local natives whatever whenever they would need help locally or um if he had bands that were traveling um to know, to la traveling to la or i actually was and this is kind of going forward a little bit but mm-hmm. he's man, he's managing a band called other lives and um i remember because i was in college i remember he, he i think he called or vanessa might have called me and was like hey can you go up can you be in seattle in a couple of days and do you know how to drive a van i was like yes and yes what's going on and they're like yeah we need someone to drive the other lives van up to seattle and then start the tour um and meet them up there because they're starting a tour with radiohead i was like whoa oh yeah absolutely and i was like f my classes i'm i'm gonna go on this i'm gonna go on this little run hey man that's that's it that's like again it's just an opportunity being put in front of you it's again like to what your mom said i think we all sort of had that established any of anybody that's gone to college your parents are like you really need to finish this yeah not everybody does and re- respect to them too because there's yeah. probably people that didn't finish that are making a lot more money than me in life <laughs> think about that all the time <laughs> um, but you know like you saw an opportunity and you took it and mm-hmm. off you went and i I can think back to a bunch of those times too, in that mm-hmm. like just time life, the time cycle of my life where somebody just, you're able, you're 20, you're yeah. 19, however old you, you just go mm-hmm. like who, who, no one, like yeah. there's no one to stop you and there's no one to stop you cause you're too young and now there's yeah. no one and you're not too old to be like, eh. yeah, at this point I was 23, 24. So I was still, I was just like, I want to go yeah, wherever, that, I mean, the wind blows. Sure. You know? Um, but that was, that was a couple years later. Um, so, but, uh, when you go back to the timeline, um, I, I, I basically like started building a relationship with, with red light. And then I crazily enough ended up getting on tour, um, Mayday hit me up again and, and actually it's Tyler. Tyler hit me up. He's like, we're doing Vans Warp Tour. This is 2010. Okay. We're doing Vans Warp Tour. You right. want to come? I was like, are you f- freaking kidding me like let's let's do this yes this is my dream like yeah i've always wanted to go on the tour the freaking laminate it's like this almighty being you know when you're you're a kid and you go to these tours you just stare at all these bands that have the freaking laminates and there's something ungodly for some reason that you know the will is the power or whatever so i was like okay i i want to go this is going to be a great experience mm-hmm. so i meet meet up with them and we're on a tour bus this is the first time i'm living on a tour bus right so, All right, wait, so tell me, like, yeah. I've asked a few people, like, what mm-hmm. their memories of that were. So what was that? So did you go to Florida to meet them or did you meet them where the tour started? Like, what was, where did you meet that? Yeah. Like, have that experience of like, oh, wow. Yeah, the tour started in California. Right, so you met them there. I met them there, yeah. And it, I think it was Pomona. We were in Pomona. And I, I yeah, we were in Pomona and I walked in. I remember walk up, walking up into the thing and, and I see uh, Derek and I think he's playing like video games or something in the front lounge. He's like, what's up? It's like, hey. And then I see everyone and they're like, all right, uh, this is going to be your, you know, your your bunk over here. And um, the, when I had that spot in the bus from 2009, I only got to spend one night in it and it was a weird night you sure know? we're just going through and this is the first time where i'm like oh my god i'm gonna be in this thing for the whole summer yeah this is insane it's your space this is my spot right uh and funny enough in the first night uh i was sleeping and then the next morning i totally forgot i was in a freaking bunk so i and 
the bunk for everyone listening on radio, uh, the bunk is like super close to your face because it's just very low. So you're basically sleeping like a coffin almost. It's, it's basically a coffin-sized yeah. space. Yeah. It's a, I always also um, try to relate it to anybody that's been in the military or in mm-hmm. the military. That's about the size of a rack. It's the yeah. same. If you're in like a, I guess if you were in the Navy, especially on a ship or right. a submarine or something crazy, like it's very... Confined. You're like just enough to sleep. Right. And, yeah. But there's a flip down DVD player, so I guess <laughs> I guess that made it. Those are making their way out. Now everybody's got iPads and phones. Yeah, but. now now it's just a nuisance, right? Yeah. Uh but were you in the top? I was on the bottom. You were on the bottom. That's my favorite spot. Yeah, it's great. I I love the bottom. Except this morning, that morning because I forgot I was sleeping in a bunk and I woke up and basically when I woke up, I got up as fast as I usually do and I smacked myself in the head. Mm-hmm. And I came to when I came to, I was in the middle of the aisle. Just like pet, and I could tell, and I could tell that people didn't even wake me up. They just stood over, they just stepped over me. <laughs> They're like, Ralph must have just rolled out of bed. No, somebody definitely heard you smash your head <laughs> yeah. as hard as you could. Like somebody, whoever was above you and in that same row with you, definitely heard something hard. Yeah, and people were probably like, he's probably knocked out. Just L- let's let, let him be. have his moment. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and then so f- that summer with T, that that must have been where we met because I was on that one, 2010. Yeah. That was when we met, um, and that was when uh, T was dealing with some health issues, and um, Michael Schneider had to come in to be a replacement. Yeah, shout out Michael Schneider is also a Nashvilleian now. That's right, uh, and it was, and he was working for was it called the Glamour Glamour Kills Glamour Kills Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. And I remember like the pig, the pink pig that they yeah. have on the. Shout on out the- Marky, what up, dude? <laughs> I don't know if you're listening or not, but what's up? Uh, yeah, so he he jumped on the tour, and and me and Mike basically, you know, kind of ran the thing for the whole summer, and um, it was a big experience because you were the first one in and the last one out as merch, right? Yeah, every day, every day, and not mm-hmm. only that, pushing like, carts, you're pushing distances. carts through. Like I remember Montreal being like all stone and rocks, and mm-hmm. like, are you kidding me? And all of us, it was almost like a pilgrimage. It's in the, it's in the park, and there's a, a huge park that yeah. I love. That this is one of the most beautiful it's parks beautiful. I've ever been in. But yeah, there there were days of that tour where you walked miles just to like get set up. Not even like, oh, I have to walk miles to eat or walk miles to take a shower, but like just to start your day, to start the day, pushing a cart full of merch and a tent and and just hope that you didn't forget something in the trailer. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like not everybody's talked about this on here. It's a lot of the guests so far have had some experience with the Warp Tour, and that's uh-huh. my circle of amazing friends, yeah. and I love that. But it really is, it's building an entire city. Like, you know, like on a on a tour now, going into like a big theater, a club, or an arena, mm-hmm. you're building a stage, you're putting up a lot of gear, you're, you know, it's it's getting flown in the air. There's a lot of, you know, very specific safety codes and things people are keeping in mind but for warp tour it's like 600 people coming into a very small space for the day setting up a huge like it's a pop-up city yeah pop-up tent city yeah and then by seven o'clock those are all torn down you know they're up at 7 a.m putting it all up in in a 12-hour span Mm -hmm. all of that stuff is broken down yeah and everybody's usually having a beer by that point yeah um but so like what do you for that being your first like full warp tour what's your give me like favorite memories of that uh oh yeah there was one of my favorite memories is that we were in joplin missouri and mm-hmm. that was before the big tornado um knocked down like most of the city but um it was a really awesome city and basically we were staying we were staying at some hotel and we were in this kind of cul-de-sac mm-hmm. and uh we parked our bus there and um, a bunch of bands came and met up with us. Um, it was July 4th. I have this photo somewhere. I'll post it yeah. with with the link when I put this You were up. there, right? I was there. Okay, I'm cool. In, I'm, somebody put a firework in front of my face and shot it off. But that, I was yeah. in the photo behind <laughs> the person shooting off like a Roman candle. But yeah, that... That's right. You that, were there. Straight up, that day was one of my favorite tour days, too. It was just like... It was probably like 50 people that all just ended up together on yeah. the 4th. You know, like think about like your normal 4th of July party with your family. Yeah. And then take out your family and just have up be all your friends who It's are, an epic photo. Yeah. Who Elma, took that I think Elma, Adam Elmacais took that photo. That's, yeah, that yeah. sounds right. It was... Yeah, it was Pierce the Veil, um, Ace Enders and his band, and just a bunch of us, basically. I mean, made, the Mayday dudes were there. I yeah. know I, that summer I was working for Whitechapel, so for oh, yeah. sure myself and Nick, our merch guy, 
yeah. were there. And I'm sure, I don't know what those, I think there were other dudes. In, but like, yeah, that was, that was just a great. That was my favorite tour memory. Yeah. Except, a, except a, when everyone's stacking freaking fireworks and then Jake Paulson was like, Jake, my. Shout out Cinnamon Swirl. Yeah. Also, shout out Anchorhead Coffee. Is that, yeah. 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 <sighs> My guy. Yeah. I'm he a, has a podcast about coffee. and That's just, what he told me. Dude, it's... I'm going to check it out. Uh, oh, my God. What is it called? I'm going to look it up right now real quick. Shout out to their podcast, too, because it's... Uh, coffee's done. It's, yeah. It's absurd. <laughs> I love you. Ross, what's up, too? Ross, Ross, what's up? That's awesome. Um, But, yeah, that... I mean, I'll agree. That was yeah. really great. That's, like, also, like, amazing 20s. Like, that's, like... Yeah. I think back to, like... I've been saying to people lately, like, 22 to 27... Mm-hmm. You know, like when you're a kid, you feel invincible. You're, you're, you don't really know. You're figuring your body out and mm. you're like, what life is. Yeah. Then you're a teenager and you're over everything. And then you're, you know, your early 20s and you're picking this path in life, whether you went to college or you just got a job or right. whatever. Then like 22 to 27 is that truly invincible. I can do anything throw something in my face and I'll figure it out. Yeah. And then 28 and on, you're like, I, uh. <laughs> yeah, mm, I'm going to, and then 30 something plus you're like, I'm not old yet, but I have so much more wisdom than 23. So I'm gonna stay home. <laughs> yeah, for real, for real. So I've been saying that. So that, but that timeline, like you were 20. Yeah. Yeah. It's 20, 20. Was... And so like I was 20 something. And so it's like, it's just, you're running around with your friends on 4th of July. There's yeah. no adult. You're the adults. You're Dude, like, oh, the- oh, shit. We're the adults shooting fireworks at each and other. Stacking fireworks. Yeah. Jesus. Okay. Uh, well, yeah, dude. Yeah. That, I mean, that was a great... That that year of the tour, I think, was a... Uh, you know, it's it's RIP. doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. Had, they celebrated 25 years this year. That's great. Um, but, like, that might have been one of the last bigger years where there was just, like, an, a plethora of the next generation of bands. bands. Like, the ones that had taken the next kind of... Picked up the flag to run with it. Um, yeah. And... Yeah, that what a cool, what a cool memory. It was amazing. Plus, Jake um, Paulson, Cinnamon's role, uh, Cinnamon, <laughs> yeah. uh, was my tour manager in the first tour that we did, and then and tour, Warp Tour. So he actually was. Oh, he was on that May that, that yeah that, okay the Metro Station tour. So he he taught me a lot, and then I got to know a lot about him. And you know, he's I mean straight up, he's one of my favorite humans he's okay. I, i'm so happy he's found a life out of touring because he lo- he enjoys his life some he was he's one of the greatest heavy sound engineers i've ever heard him and his current business partner mike yeah are, mike just, just uh in terms of like awesome. mixing heavy music they Amazing. they Killer. they studied under the right people and you know i would i think you could throw them back in it and they'd do you know. oh yeah they wouldn't miss a beat yeah um but so then 2010 warp tour where does that transition us into sort of like either more touring life or how we're like into this more publishing side and, and, you know, writer centric world that you're in now. Um, actually there's a huge chunk between that. Basically, uh, I end up, I end up going to, um, I get back from the warp tour and I got, I ended up getting an internship with the tonight show. Okay. Um, with Conan O'Brien. So that was the time where he had the Tonight Show. Yeah, he moved the show to L.A. He moved the show to L.A. Okay. And then I was like, this is going to be amazing. I love Conan, blah, blah, blah. And then two months later, it's like, Conan's giving up his show. I was like, ah, it's the whole Jay Leno debacle right. that was happening. I actually watched, I've watched some recent kind of throwback yeah. YouTube things that people have cut together in terms of like that era. Yeah. I mean, I lived it, but, you, you know, I was probably not totally paying attention. Mm-hmm. Crazy time. Yeah, it was, it was an... It was a nutsy time, and for sure, like it while it was happening, you know, the Team Coco rallies that were happening, and mm-hmm. and yeah, the young people still loved him, but I'm sure yeah. he was also like, then watch the show, <laughs> yeah, watch the show. You know, that was sort of I feel like 2010 into 2011, 2012. What was that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You mm-hmm. know, that was also the rise of streaming, streaming. things, and um, I'm sure people were watching TV less at 11:30 mm-hmm. at night, especially yeah. young people. No, it's true. Um, before we transition yeah. real quick, give me two interesting stories or thoughts on both Kimmel and then that the Conan experience. Yeah. Like what as a like um, audience coordinator did you, mm-hmm. is that what you did for Conan also? I I uh, I was an intern for the for the general show and the Tonight Show, and then I actually went back to the new show 
at TBS. When it, when it became Conan. When it became Conan okay. at TBS. And I worked in the music department at that point. So, cool. So I had like three very different experiences. Kimmel's great because like all, it's like a well-oiled machine in the sense that, you know, everyone that's worked there since the beginning who's like related to Jimmy and like his family like have been there. So you could tell it's a very familial place. Mm-hmm. And I always enjoyed coming in and work. I think it was good. And Jimmy was always very nice. Um, and then the Tonight Show... Um, was the biggest circus possible because, you know, everyone was on edge trying to keep the show afloat. Sure. So it was, you know, and mind you, I was just an intern, but I was a fly on the wall and I was the one running around and like taking care of stuff and, and uh, like trying to take out fires. And, um, and I'm just very honored to be one of the only Tonight Show interns to ever, you know, happen with Conan O'Brien because the show only lasted for seven months. So, you know, that's a fun resume. Speaking of Mr. CV, you brought up CV or you have that. I would put that one on there. Oh, yeah, like, it's definitely the Tonight Show. You're like the Conan, Conan Tonight, tonight Show. show. <laughs> People like, tell us more. Yeah, exactly. But and then when I went to the new show, man, I got to know the whole staff because the same boxes that I packed up, I unpacked. I mean, what a cool feeling. Huh? Yeah. Like, and I know that he did his best to keep that team. He did. He paid out of pocket to um, basically pay his whole staff to live for nine months while he... Right, got, he, and he did the... He toured. He toured. So, so anyway, since we have a touring podcast, yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's... I was on Netflix years ago, mm-hmm. but if anybody has the opportunity to watch that... The Con- documentary. Con- yeah, it's super cool. Conan, like, because he got blacklisted from... Having a show on Netflix. Having a TV. show, yeah. He straight up just went on tour. What a genius. Like that. He's like, you didn't say tour in that contract. And he took the show. And he with, sold out all the dates. Yeah, and he took the, sh- the concept of the show, and he brought the band, and he played with them and sang Goofy. And I was like, yo, he's a badass. He went on tour. He said, cool, NBC, network television, et cetera. Like, you, d- you missed one word in that thing where you barred me from one medium. I'm going to use another one. Like, yeah. Your lawyer is messed up on that part yeah 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 and i feel like he's but he's um not to harp on stan conan yeah, yeah. too long but like i feel like he's still trying to do that they have comedy thing i think there's something going on this weekend here like he's now yeah branched that out to comedy and they have like kind of touring he has a podcast and his show. i love his podcast his podcast, his podcast. Is so awesome. I, I don't know how they he keeps everybody down like 30 minutes i don't know how he does they probably do it for a reason yeah. but um it's it's cool he has such a I found him, I think he did the Dax Shepard podcast. Oh, yeah, Armchair Experts. To like so promote great. that he had one. And I was yeah. like, I'm jealous of everybody who's already an established person, person in the world that podcast. can just do this because there's a sort of built-in audience. But like, mm-hmm. it's also very, I think this medium takes down people's guards. They're just willing to talk about whatever. You know, yeah. it's like Sternian, you know, like Howard Sternian and of it, like in terms of Very like much, yeah. people talk to him about anything. So I think just because you're in a room and I feel like most of them are the, like I ha- like I'm a famous celebrity and I have a podcast. I'm bringing all my friends. Yeah. Like or people that I think are interesting yeah. and they're going to hopefully want to open up and talk to me. But anyway, circling back to that i also ralph gave me a sick shirt that said i do you remember giving me that it was yeah. a conan shirt and it said like i sat too close to conan yeah it's got like a giant cartoon drawing of conan's face like the yeah. size of his face i still have it it's buried somewhere in my room that was one of the shirts that they gave to the staff when we had our last show yeah so i made sure that you got one of those yeah, shirts. dude i mean i love i loved conan and love conan and for him to have a podcast now i think he can just say whatever he wants yeah you and know, he's completely so cool. unfiltered and he's not like Tied to a format. Right. Which is amazing. Um, all right. So Conan, Tonight Show. Tonight Show. Coming yeah. back to Conan, but then now in a musical role. Like, right. Uh, in the music department, um, running hospitality and running around. So back of house stuff. So still dealing with bands, though, and, yeah. and artists, because that's like you're, you're, you're the house now taking care of a band. Yeah. Yeah. So I was working under Jim Pitt, who is now at Kimmel, actually. Um, amazing dude who booked... SNL before he went over to the late show to to late night and then went over to Conan Um, and this amazing coordinator named Molly uh, Moormeyer so basically we were in the department and I just helped them out and I was there for um, the greater part of like nine months maybe Mm -hmm. and um, like met some longtime friends that were playing the show and stuff and kind of built relationships and then basically after that I was like okay I'm gonna try to be a manager I want to learn to be a manager. Yeah. I mean, but, if it, that's a pretty fair progression. If like, you're yeah. like, I want to tour and then like, what else is involved? Like I, you learned about booking agencies yeah. and like what else is involved in yeah. this whole thing kind of staying a well-oiled machine. Yeah. So I, me and a friend who was at the show too, we decided like, okay, we're going to read this book 
it's called Everything You Need to Know About the Music Business. And it was in like the eighth edition and now right. it's in like the twelfth edition. Right, but right, right. um that lawyer, Donald Passman, wrote it and it's like the one oh one. It's like everyone needs to read that. So we read the book and like idiots, me and um my friend Brennan decided like, we know how to manage. <laughs> let's let's do it. So we reached out to this band who is now a band signed to Interscope, who are so talented, but they were called Dinner in a Suit. Okay. And uh, and now they're called Nightly, and they're signed to Interscope, and they're an amazing band. But um, God bless Jonathan for letting us manage them remotely for a couple months. We did did not go anywhere. We, we learned from our mistakes. We were like, okay, we're not ready to do this. Um, let's just not do this anymore. And then eventually what happened was like, I started playing music again, because mm-hmm. you know, that's what I used to do. I was like, I was playing music. I always just kept on writing. And I put out a folk song, this folk rock song called The Devil's Handshake. And then, uh, and two, oh, this is a crazy story. So uh, I put it out and two weeks later, uh, I get I get a call and they're like, hey, so uh, Anthony Green wants you to open up for him next week. I was like, what? It's like, yeah, the, sh- the sold out shot the L-Ray. Um, Good Old Wars is backing band. Deer Hunter is playing. I was like, I couldn't get show like tickets to that freaking show. Like, are you kidding me? It's like, yeah, your drummer Mikey's friends with, uh, you know, with us. And he passed a song along and he, he just wants you to open up the L-Ray show. I was like, holy shit. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to do this. Yes. So I call up a bunch of favorites because at the point it was just me and Mikey, my drummer. And I called in like three friends to play with me. And we mm-hmm. practiced for three days. Yeah. And then I remember at the LRA, I get there and, and they have the, the, um, basically these like red velvet, um, not blinds, but, uh, curtains. curtains yeah. yeah. And curtains up. And, uh, and I remember the sound guy going through the, the, um, the house mixer stuff and he was basically like, are you guys ready? We're like, yes. And then it, the curtains open up and it was just a fully packed LRA. Wow. And I'm looking, and I'm looking there. I was like, how the F did I end up here? This is the craziest shit ever yeah so uh and i looked over my friends and everyone's like okay let's play and then someone yells out who are you (laughs) and i was like um i'm ralph tori franca and these are my friends we're gonna play some songs for you (laughs) and then we we played a 30 minute set and then uh we did it and i was like oh it sounded pretty good and i got out in the moment that i walked to the merch table everyone started swarming me and they're like oh it's like yeah could you sign this or take photos of me i was like whoa okay cool this is this is something like this yeah. is, I guess I, I it's can like s- a weird full circle moment though of like you've yeah. done all the other stuff on the road and right. seen other people experience that. Right. And I was, I was just like, okay, maybe I could try to give this a shot for a little bit. Right. So I do that for six months. I basically play a bunch of shows. I put out, um, an EP and then I get so burnt out. I'm like, I can't, I can't look at a, a acoustic guitar anymore. <laughs> like I, I'm so tired of this. And I got in my own head, unfortunately, as a lot of I think we do that. Do. Yeah, I think everybody does that. So I convinced myself to not do it anymore. So um, <laughs> I graduated college early. Okay. So I was in college this whole time. Um, shout out Cal State LA for giving me a good schedule to do this. And then, uh, and then I outside of straight out of college, I got a job as a tour publicist. This is my first salary job. Cool. Um, I was working for uh, a new company um, called Grandstand, and they had um, they basically kind of formed a company between two different owners, and uh, they had like the Fleet Foxes, they had in the Heart. Um, I got to take on a lot of Seattle-based bands that I love, so like Brian J. Appleby and um, Deep Sea Diver, and all these you know Barcelona um, and. I, I got to learn how to be a publicist, but more importantly, I got to learn how to pitch, craft an email, how to strategically reach out to people and the writers, what are the writers interested in? Right. Like, and at this point, like press was the most prevalent thing. There was no such thing as playlisting. Like the press and blogs was, was the number one way to reach an audience. Okay. Apart from radio. So, uh, so I learned that. And for a year I had that job and it was like very stressful. It was a very stressful job. Because right, you're trying to break all these bands. Yeah. Your job is to help break these bands. Yeah, and it was to the great. Best of your ability. I mean, mind you, I also got to do the, you know, I got to be a tour publicist for Ben Gibbard, one of my heroes, you know, like Death Cat for Cutie. And yeah. Um, so that experience was great. And then, and then they let me go. And I, and in like a very, you know, selfish, not selfish, but like 
I was very disappointed, you know, because they were joining companies and they decided to let me go. And I basically didn't say bye to them. And I just left. I never like talked to them again because I was like, I was 21. I was, I was so, you know, I was so in my own head and I was like, well, what am I going to do now? Like this was, I got my first job. I guess I learned a lot. And then the next day I, I listened to, um, a song on buzz bands, um, which is an LA based blog by a guy named Kevin Bronson, who's been a supporter for all the music scene for a long time. And it was a band called torches. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this band's really good. <sighs> you know what? I think I want to be a manager. I'm going to do, I'm going to be a manager. I've, I've spent this whole year of learning, talking to managers and publicists and writers. I'm ready to do this. So I, I reach out to them. I had like a three hour coffee hang with Azad, the lead singer, and then I started uh, managing them. And then a month later, we had like a sold-out residency at the Echo. Uh, two months later after that, I got them signed to the agency group, <laughs> which is came full circle, and I started managing. So that was kind of my big thing there. It was like, I'm going to start managing, and I'm going to kind of learn on the job. This is this is the best way for me to kind of get my feet wet. I, th- I think that's the only true way to do it. The, mm-hmm. A textbook is never going to prepare you no. for majority of what you're going to run into absolutely especially in a more digital age that we're in yeah no it's true and you know some now even nowadays like the best managers that artists had were their friends or the people or at least people that like really wanted to hustle Mm -hmm. like pat who manages chance the rapper like that's his childhood friend like the guy didn't have the experience but he had the hustle and, and believed in chance right so that's why he that ended up working so um, that was my whole thought behind this was like, I'm just going to, um, try my best, learn on the job and just apply as much as I can. So I do that. I managed them for a couple of years and then, um, and then we decided to part ways cause they were transitioning into other stuff because Azad now like man, like producer triple red and like Kanye and stuff. So he's obviously well off <laughs> right. and doing stuff and he's great. But, uh, so during that time I ended up, um, getting a job at culture collide so i was working at culture collide where we we got to work together again at some point uh doing an event or was it no it, no, it, was, it was that i definitely worked one also huge shout out connie sang for connie. the headphones we're using to talk to each other right now seriously these What's headphones up? sound great um <laughs> connie was the one who hired me at culture collide <laughs> which is great and uh and then i got to do activations and account managing at the company and I got to work with Connie again, which was great and be in office with her. And so I did that for a couple of months. And then finally, um, red light management called me and they were like, uh, we have the front desk, um, open and we know you're slightly overqualified, but we know, but you know, it's a great position because basically you're at, the face of everything. You're the face. You mm-hmm. are the gatekeeper. Mm-hmm. You are the person who answers the phone. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone. And I, and I was like, no, no, I'll take the job. Yeah, I'll come in. I'll come in and meet. Like, I, I'm down. This is going to be, uh, you know, a good experience for me. So I came in and I became the receptionist, day-to-day person. Um, I helped out a bunch of managers who didn't have day-to-days. And then I also um, ran that internship program of like 30 interns for a company. And it was crazy. And at that point, we grew up to have like 120 people in the LA office. Wow. So it was a little bit of a nightmarish situation as a job, but it was the perfect situation because I got to um, extend my network and meet a bunch of people. Yeah. So what's the, in that uh, timeline, what's your biggest takeaway from like accepting, like being like, you you know, they knew you had managed an artist at mm-hmm. that point on your own, but like going back to a job like that, what's your biggest takeaway? Like from sitting there every day, what did you, like, what did you, what piece of knowledge did you take on to the next step? That no one had their shit together. <laughs> that, them all the 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 biggest managers or the managers you know handling the biggest artists in the world was equally as frustrated as a small manager like me i think that was the biggest takeaway and being able to see their day-to-day and realize that i was taking the right steps and i was thinking in the same fashion that they were mm-hmm. and it, a bit essentially validated that i was a good manager or at least I, I i was in the right path of just trying to build a good career right um so that was a big thing. And then I, I met some of my closest friends there who are still friends now. And, um, but it was seven months of that. And then I was managing a band as well at that point. I started managing this other band that did really well. And, you know, uh, and eventually, uh, I think it was seven months down, I got a call from a guy named Jay Sloan, who was currently the head of A&R at Angry Mob Music Publishing. Okay. 
and basically he he told me that he's trying to reach someone. I think he's trying to reach this manager, and I told him he wasn't here. And he's like, "Oh, you know Greg Katz?" And is my good friend Greg. And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." And he's like, "Yeah." So he was at the company he just left. Um, we're actually looking for an A and R manager, and I heard that you. I heard that you. You know, you do a lot of stuff on the side, and you're. You know, you're you're actually very knowledgeable at the, about the current music scene. And I was like, "Yeah, I am actually." And I'm like, "Mind you, there's like three other calls trying to come through." And I'm like, "Oh my god, what is this?" And he's like, "Uh." can you, can we meet up next week? Could you come in the office? I was like, yeah, sure, man. So I, so I came in the office the following week and I was sitting there with, um, with, uh, another hiring manager and they were like, we want to, we want to make an offer for you. We need to bring in some, some new blood into the company. We haven't built out the publishing side. Really. It's been mostly admin and sync and we want someone to like create something. And I was like, wow. Okay. Like, also, you'll be a junior executive, and um, you'll make actual regular amount of money instead of the... <laughs> the normal music industry pittance of a paycheck. Right. So it, so less than what you would make at a waiter minus tips. Like, you could actually make a decent amount of money, and you have benefits. I was like, okay, I'm going to go with this job. <laughs> I was like, this is my opportunity to actually, A, be an executive, make my way up, and and actually, like, build something from the ground up. So, uh, and I saw it as an opportunity to really just, you know, A, learn on the job, but B, like, you know, seek out really talented individuals that maybe aren't getting the right shot. Basically, it's like that underdog mentality of, I, I see myself as a failed musician in everyone's eyes. Like, I, I, I also see them as, I liken them to me of like, okay. I'm, right, but now your job is also to say, this music is worth something. You, you're, right. you're saying, you want to play shows, you want to grow a career, but I'm also going to tell you, I can find another place for this music yeah. to make you money in the meantime. Yeah, and that I believe in your career. Yeah. And that I want to invest in you, not only monetarily, but like, with my time and effort and resources. And I was like, wow, this is actually so much better than management. This is like, I'm not in just one focused thing where if a fire happens and it's my fault, like, and vice versa, like, this is something where I get to just be like a very important piece of the puzzle and be a creative that could help steer their songwriting career. Sure. So, cause you have to be, yeah, you have the creative background and headspace to hear it. Right. I think that's probably got to be it too. Cause and I'm have, a songwriter. Right. So you can speak yeah. their language, everybody's language in that. Yeah. In that. So it was great. And cool. mind you, like I got to learn how to write really good songs too. And see, because I got to experience with everyone and, and figure out a lot of like the process and how different it is for everyone. But yeah, so that was, that was four years ago. So I was A&R manager and then uh, eventually now I've turned into the director of A&R over there and, um, and the whole team has grown and the roster has grown. And now, you know, from a place where we had zero cuts, like zero, pretty much zero cuts, um, to now we have cuts with like Ty Dolla Sign featuring Kendrick Lamar and James Fonteroy off of Free TC. Like that was our first cut that we got. And I think that's Interscope. Um, and then now we signed Jake Scott, who is this like very popular um, singer songwriter who was on Songland actually recently, co wrote Owl Black's Brooklyn this summer, has a bunch of album cuts with like Carrie Underwood and like, cool, you know, Ben Rector and a bunch of other artists. But um, Kami is part of Save Money with Chance the Rapper and Joy Parp and Vic Mensa. Um, we, essentially, I've just like grown the, the, the roster with a DNA of some folks that I signed early on, like a producer named Paul Gutierrez, who we signed three years ago on a whim of just like, that guy is very talented and we believe in him. Let's grow together. Right. You know, to, to people like Jake and, and Kami and, and this other group called McKenna, who's like an eighties inspired, like hip hop group. Like the, we, we essentially get to do all these different kinds of genres and also develop the pop side. And, um, and now the company has become, you know, very relevant and is it's, you know, definitely far cry from what it was four years ago. And I could see that work, you know, grow because all of everyone's careers are growing as well on the roster. And it just makes me feel very happy that I'm able to, you know, help. I think that's yeah. a big thing. I, it goes back to me as a teenager. Just, I just wanted to help everyone. I think that's been a big thing. Well, cool. Um, I have two rapid fire questions yes. at the end of most of these chats mm -hmm. um when you were touring and i guess still now because you're still traveling quite a bit right give me uh number one touring 
essential that and like the 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 things that are off the table for everyone are phone and computer because those are just like a standard set of tools now so like when you're traveling either when you were really touring Mm -hmm. hard yeah you know five ten years ago yeah and then we're now like what are you what, what like what can you not live without when you're on the road antibacterial wipes <laughs> fair <laughs> that's 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 the biggest thing for me now and even back then i was just desperately always trying to like i'm not a germaphobe but definitely am slightly a germaphobe because <laughs> you know like you're you're in a it's it's between the antibacterial wipes and then i also keep a whole thing of zykem okay in in my so backpack. you're just trying to stay healthy i'm just trying to stay healthy because yeah. the worst thing that can happen is you're sick on the road you're in a confined space with a bunch of people mm-hmm. you're gonna ruin their tour right if you're sick, you know, so keeping the old immune system up, right? So yeah. a lot of vitamin C and stuff. So I think that those those would be a tie for like the most important thing to have on the road. Cool, yeah. Uh, and then advice to yourself five years ago and ten years ago. You know, think about your the state you were in mm-hmm. touring okay. and and then working through the music industry. Like, what would you tell yourself ten years ago? So 2009, yeah. you're going out with Tyler, yeah you know, on the warp Tour, like what, what would you tell yourself? Like in terms of like, now that you've seen how it's all played yeah. out to this point. Yeah. Um, what would I tell myself? Oh yeah. Don't take it for granted and like live in the moment. I know it's very, it's one of those things. It's like mindfulness. It's like, sure. Like going back, Man, there's so many moments where I totally just glazed over it thinking like, okay, this is happening, whatever. Like, it was almost like I was jaded in a sense. And I didn't actually like and almost enjoy my first tour because I was just so stressed out and overthinking. Right. Because I didn't want to mess up. So my my biggest thing I would tell, you know, Ralph from 10 years ago is like, dude, remember to just enjoy and have fun and like remember that this is your job and, and you're getting paid to do this and yeah. you're very lucky to have this as a job and not you're not in a cubicle from a nine to five you're currently not you know not at a college class right now you're on the road with one of your favorite bands yeah in the middle of america make some memories and just like be in the moment i love that and, and then five years ago sort of about to transition into yeah like a, a big moment yeah um don't be don't be too selfless all the time because essentially like i a lot of what i did for my career was you know i wanted to sacrifice my time and effort for other people right. and which is great and that's what i like to do and i will always do but um at some point 5 years ago i i was still lost in like being able to say like oh ralph you deserve vacation days or ralph you you need some time off or, you know, you should work on your own music and you deserve to actually be able to create stuff and put it out like that. I I think that's like one of the, the biggest things that I've learned in the last five years, you know, post that is that I, I've actually given myself some attention because you can get lost, especially if you're like going on tour with all these bands, you're working for a management company, like your life is these these artists and yeah. like you're doing nothing but like staying up like i remember at red light i would be the first one in and and then when i would go out there would be no sunlight like i would just because there's really no windows in that in that in that receptionist office and i would go out and I'd be like wow i just lost my day and now i'm exhausted i have no time to do what i want to do right and it becomes this depressive thing you know that circles and you're not doing anything that feeds feed your own soul and i'm a creative if you're creative trying to be a manager or you're creative trying to work in the music industry, it's like you have to feed both sides. It's, it's going to be, you can find creative stuff to do on the, the business side, but like ultimately there's an itch that you want to scratch. And um, even going on tours and stuff, like there'd be moments where I'd be like, man, I wish I was on that stage, which shout out to Mady Parade. They let me sing like two different songs at two <laughs> different times on stage with them. And that yes. was like amazing. So I got to itch that scratch a little bit, but you know, that's why now, even now I'm in a band and I'm, you know, focusing on songwriting and furthering myself because it's something that I, I don't think you should ever sacrifice. Well, cool. I like the, the, I think we all forget it. We, we're so willing to work for everyone else and make everybody happy. I'm in that boat too. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you forget to find time for yourself. So cool. Yeah. Um, where can everybody find you? And then I know Ralph right now we're 
I don't know when this is going to come out, to be honest, but <laughs> Ralph's here because he's doing a writing camp in mm-hmm. Nashville. Do you have anything sort of plotted for the future, maybe closer to 2020? Uh, you know, anything, is there anything on the books now or, or you know, can people, where, and, and then where can people find you so if they're interested in, you know, if they're, if you're a, a writer, a singer, songwriter, yeah. you know, I think Ralph's always looking for a fresh idea. And if you're listening to this, reach out to him. Yeah. You know, he's a, he's lended a, an ear to a, a few of my friends too at this point. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I've, I'm only where I'm at now because people lent me their ear at some point and gave, gave me 10 minutes or gave me a shot like that. So, so I always try to pay it forward. Yeah. Um, there's nothing happening on the books yet, but um, my band is putting out music in January of 2020, I believe. So cool, plug that real quick. So, yeah, uh, we're called Cuffed Up. We're a post-punk band. Um, we currently have two songs out. It's a double A side, um, and and we're going to put out another double A side um, at the top of 2020 in January. And where, where can people find you? So is there Instagram or some sort of social Yeah, media? yeah. So uh, my personal Instagram is called um, Rhymes with Ralph. So you could just DM me on that and follow me there. Uh, and then my band's Instagram is Cuffed Up Music. And cool. Cuffed Up isn't like cuffs. Spell you know. it. C-U-F-F-E-E-D. Oh, fuck. C-U-F-F-E-D. E-D. UP uh, music. Yeah. Cool. Music. Got it. Wow. That Hey man. The brain fart. It's your band. It's your band. Um Ralph, thank you so much for Dude, thank you so chatting. much for having, what having a, me. What a masterclass in just hard work. It's uh yeah, it's been it's been a road, but I I love the fact that I got to, you know, be friends and meet people like you and everyone else that we spoke about in the podcast. Like Same. It's 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 coming full circle and there's a lot more that's going to be happening cool well thank you for sitting down with me and we'll uh, see you next time thanks so much to Ralph for joining us on this episode really enjoyed the Conan stories specifically and uh, I hope you all did too if you're not already come follow us on Instagram at notes from the road pod would really appreciate that and please 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 Subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Google Play. Notes from the Road is produced by Isaac Burkhart and Andrew Cook, with music courtesy of the band Speakers. I'm your host, Evan Peary, and until next time, see ya.